Hi, everyone. So today we're with a special guest. It's Phoebe's BFF for life forever. And his name is Chris. Hi. And obviously there is that one person that everyone knows is always there that no one really cares about who just says, yes, yes, I agree. Mm -hmm. Opinion the same. Phoebe. Opinion rejected. You're dumb. Hi, today my name is Piper. I'm so happy to be here as our special guest, BFF of this Phoebe person. And I hope to have a great time with you all today. Thank you. You are so cringe. Anyways, so the topic for the podcast today. Get a rope. (laughs) The topic for the podcast today will be happiness. And it's actually a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Aker. Have you guys ever heard of the book or the author? So I, Phoebe, have never heard about it. Oh, yeah? (laughs) What about Phoebe's BFF Forever for Life? Have you heard of this book? I have never heard of the book nor the author. Okay. Essentially, he's just a Harvard teacher who, um, he's a psychologist, I think, or a psychiatrist, I forget. Um, But he studied positive psychology for years and decided to just write a book about it and explain why happiness makes you, gives you a competitive advantage. But before I go deep into the book, I have a scenario to ask you guys that actually was in the book. Are you guys down to hear it? Of course, of course we are. No, what if I said no? What would happen? Well, too bad. <laughs> well, there you go. So just let it out. Uh, you forget what the theme of this podcast is. You sit and you have to listen to me talk about a book. So this is the scenario, okay? Imagine you're at a bank with 50 other people. 50, okay? A robber 50. walks... 50, in case you didn't understand that. 50. A robber... Well, 15, right? 15, exactly. Case. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a robber walks in and fires his weapon one time. You are shot in the arm. Now, if you are honestly describing this event to your friends, family, whoever, Roberto, who cares, and coworkers the next day, do you describe this event as lucky or unlucky and why? What was the weapon? A gun. What Did you not listen to the story? You just got no, shot with well, a gun. What kind of gun it was? Doesn't matter. It's not important. It's a gun. You're not dead. You were just but shot in the important. arm. Because it's only lucky if it's like an old vintage weapon or if it's like a rocket launcher, right? But if it's like a handgun, then like, okay, oh, well, that's boring. It's a boring encounter. Typical in the U.S., right? It's just a regular <laughs> gun. All you got was shot in the arm. You're still alive. Right. I would say it's lucky. Why? Because I'm so lucky I'm alive right now. Oh, my God. Also, because I get to brag about it. You know, this is where you go up to your friends and you say, I got shot. And if they ask for the details, you don't really say much. You just say, I got shot and I survived. So then you look like a warrior. But you're a legend for that. I'm a legend. I'm actually a god. Even even if it only grazed the skin of my hand, bro. I got shot. Leave it at that. And people are going to be like, oh, my God. Oh, how, how were you? Were you okay? How bad was it? You know? It's like bragging rights. So I'm lucky. Even though there were 50 other people in that bank and you were the only one who got shot, you would still I consider am... yourself lucky? Well, I live. Yeah, because you get the best story So that's story lucky out of enough. No, but some, some of the people, the thing is, you know, um, because they didn't get shot, they're, they're, they're going to say, like, yo, I was there on that incident. And then. No one's gonna trust them. No one's gonna believe them. Why, why? Why would I like know that you were there, right? You're just trying to look cool or something, right? If you got a shot, you're actually cool. There we go. That sounds horrible, by the way. Yeah, but, that sounds so bad. But <laughs> the, you the problem go, with this scenario, go. though, is that it's either like you're pessimistic or optimistic, right? But as a as a nihilist, as someone that that usually puts things back to zero, and I'm not too negative or like I'm never positive really, then it's just like I was at a bank robbery. And that happened. I got a shot. Like yo, you wouldn't. You would understand this unbelievable story, but I wouldn't be like, I was so fucking unlucky that day, or I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm so lucky to be alive today. Thank God. The Lord and Savior saved my life. Okay, Amen. so you would not even use lucky or unlucky to describe the scenario, right? No. Okay, and Phoebe, you would say you're lucky, right? No, I'm just, I would just use the scenario for like bragging rights, but like if I had to choose between lucky or unlucky, I would say I'm lucky because I'm happy, at least I lived, right? Okay, 
So what about you, Holly? Um, I actually answered lucky. Um, but when I asked my friends this question, they all said unlucky. And actually what's interesting is that the reason why this scenario was even like created by the author, it's because based like this whole situation is obviously hypothetical. You didn't actually get shot. And the facts are not real facts. It's all invented. So based off your interpretation of the situation, it indicates, like you said, Chris, if you have a positive mindset or a negative mindset, or you could just be a nihilist like Chris, and it's not even applicable, you know? So the reason why he asks the scenario is to gauge what type of mindset you have. Phoebe, you just said lucky because you want to brag to your friends. You clearly didn't listen to the ego is the enemy episode, but whatever. Uh, Chris is, he's just, he's just built different. I don't know what to say. That was the first time someone was like not applicable to me. I was like, okay, I didn't realize that was an option. And I guess my friends are all pessimistic. So they got to listen to this episode. Yeah, come on, hurry up, do it. You know, be good friends. Don't be L friends. Yeah, be good friends. Yeah. I got, I got negative friends apparently, but. Damn, you're just going to say that? They're all going to hear this. They won't. Are they really listening? Kevin, L-friend. Lexi, L-friend. Y'all suck, you know. Worst <laughs> friends I've ever seen. Holly said it herself. No, no, no. Lexi, Lexi, it doesn't See you guys on Sunday. See you guys on Sunday, by the way, you know. Yeah, see you, <laughs> Lexi, see you tomorrow at Bouldering, by the way. <laughs> but anyways, the reason why I brought this scenario is because it's a bit of a teaser on what the book is about. And Sean Aker, essentially... He's a firm believer in positive psychology. And what's, you know, do you know what positive psychology is? Do you guys know? I'm guessing that it has something to do with thinking in a positive way so that it can help your life be better, right? Yeah, yeah, it's literally that. By by thinking in a positive light, you will manifest positivity in your life. Um, not less like of that haha zodiac sign. I'm like I am, you know, less of that. It's still a science, okay, Chris? On scan. Well, that's what TikTok taught me. Oh. <laughs> well, technically, zodiacs people think it's a science too, right? It's people believe strongly in zodiacs or they don't. That's it. Is it a science though? But anyways, that's besides the point. The point of this episode is positive psychology. When you think back on psychology, if you've ever taken a psychology class, they always focus on negativity, like the worst things that could happen to a person, PTSD, you know, things like that. It's always based off, you know, mental illnesses that are framed like negatively. There's never anything positive in psychology. You know, no, but it's it, it, part of it is because as a psychologist or more as a psychiatrist, your whole point is to diagnose someone, right? Right. So to diagnose someone, kind of like a doctor, you're gonna look at like what are the symptoms, right? What are the bad things, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there's kind of a saying uh, that says that if you bring anyone to a psychiatrist, he'll prescribe something because right. his whole point is to try to prescribe you something, right? So he will right. find any tiny little crack or anything that you you do or think wrong. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it will be blown out in, like out of proportion in a way. Right. Uh, yeah. But you know what's funny? For the longest time, psychology would always try to fix the issue instead of preventing it to begin with. Hence, positive psychology. You know? And that only started to, like, take, I guess, more popularity recently, funnily, funnily enough. For the longest time, we would always focus, you know, on PTSD, depression, things, anxiety, things like that, but never try to figure out how can we prevent those things. Hence, the emergence of positive psychology. And that's what the author talks about. So what is it, Holly? What is what? Positive psychology. Could you please enlighten us? I just said it. Were you not listening, Chris? <laughs> oh, wait, not Chris. Sorry. Papi Toilet. Well, what did you introduce no, yourself as again? Get it right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Phoebe. Phoebe. Oh, my God. So you're saying that, you know, positive psychology or happy psychology mm-hmm. is about preventing it from happening, right? Preventing, like, all those bad things to happen to you or, like, all those symptoms, right? But then how, how does it actually apply is what I'm asking. Okay. So... And the author argues about seven principles that he found throughout his research in the book. I'm not going to go through all seven. You could just read the book if you actually are curious. But there are a few that I find that I thought were pretty interesting. And um, one thing that he talks about 
he starts the book actually with it, is something called priming. It's a psychology term. Do you guys know what priming is? No. Absolutely no clue. Okay. I'll give you an example of an experiment, a real one that was done. I, I don't know who, by who, where, when. I just wrote it down in my notes and I forgot <laughs> to say where it came from. But it's in the book if, in case someone's interested. So imagine this. Well, you don't need to imagine. This was the experiment. So there's a group of kids. One group of kids were asked in a neutral tone to assemble the blocks and the other group were told the same instructions but asked to think of something that makes them happy before assembling blocks. What do you think happened between both of the groups of kids? How do you think they reacted to that? So I am sure that because of the bias of the book and the book being based on happiness, the kids that were told to think of something happy actually did a job better and or faster than the other kids. Because the other kids didn't necessarily have anything to, you know, keep them focused or didn't have an incentive either. They just got told build the blocks. You know, all the other kids, they actually had something to like keep them preoccupied, like mentally. So, you know, the ADHD gets calmed a bit. And then the yeah, it's it's the point of the book. It's that being happy helps you be a better worker, being more efficient in life, etc. Mm, you mentioned biasness in the book. Obviously there is biasness because he is a firm believer in um, positive psychology, but I don't think um, it's biased to of the author to put an experiment that proves positive psychology. You know, like if the facts of the experiment were this, I don't think it's completely biased. But anyways, what the results were was that uh, one half of the kids, they assembled the blocks, they did fine. Like what you would expect, nothing spe spectacular, nothing terrible. And then the other group of children, when they assembled the blocks, they were found to be more creative, actually. And the reason for that is because um, there's this thing called broadening effect that is mentioned in the book. And it's a biological thing that some researchers have found, for example, Barbara Fredrickson, that shows that, you know how your brain is malleable, depending yes. on... You know that, right? Do you know that, Phoebe? Yeah. Your brain changes depending on how you're, like, let's say you learn piano. Parts of your brain will change because you're learning okay. something different. No, but the whole concept of learning and of, like, memories is that it's all links that your brain, like, connects, right? So your brain literally has, like, all this tiny, like, you can imagine, like, fibers that intertwine together and connect. And, like, those are the ones that keep your memories together. Those are the ones that keep, like, your newly uh, formed, like, like, you know, knowledge and all, like the skills and all, right? Uh, and th the problem with that is if you stop using it, if you th stop thinking about it, then, you know, they weaken and then they'll, like, connect to something else. That's how you lose some of your memories, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, yes, the brain is malleable and uh, it is more malleable at a young age. It gets less and less malleable as you grow older. That is why you have trouble learning when you get older, etc. Thanks for bringing that up, Holly. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, that was that was a tangent. That yeah. was it. That was it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what he's saying is that some researchers have found, depending on what type of person you are, if you're positive, negative, or none of the above, your brain changes. And broaden and build theory. Essentially, what it talks about is historically, obviously, we all had that fight and flight instinct, right, in us when we were cavemen. It was it made sense. That was the only way that you could survive, right? So your brain would be formed differently. Whereas now, if you look at positivity, they've noticed that your brain also would change. And what ends up happening is certain parts of your brain where there's like creativity that is, you know, used would change as well. And that's what we talk about. Well, Sean Aker would talk about with priming our brains, which I thought it was really interesting. I was like, wow, just by changing your mindset, you can literally change your brain and the way you think. I don't know. I thought it was fun. Phoebe, you look like you're about to take a nap. Like, it's clearly not interesting for you. It's more like, honestly, you guys are going on a, like, mini tangent earlier, you know? And all I could think was, when you said the block thingy, I, I, I misheard really badly. And I thought you said two groups of children were given glocks. And Glocks. I was just giggling to myself, thinking there is no way this guy <laughs> tells kids to assemble freaking Glock. <laughs> and 
said, and then you said, so what do you think happened to the two kids with the Glocks? And I was just saying, like, um, one kid got shot. <laughs> I don't know, like, an accident, a mishap. And then I realized later on, you guys are talking about Blocks. Yes. yes. So I was just giggling to myself, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's good. It's good. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's yeah, good. That, that's that's, that makes a lot yeah. more sense. The creativity, that makes a lot oh. more sense, you know? When you said creative with assembling the Glock, I was like, yeah, sure. It's my fault for starting the episode talking about a bank robbery and a gun. That, that, that was on me, clearly. Exactly. Clearly it was on no, me. No, you should have started with something happier so that we, we started happy. Yes. Uh, yeah, my clearly. pessimistic yeah. mindset or egotistical mindset allowed me to believe and convince myself that it was a Glock instead. Right, that kids would have Glocks, well, yeah, of course. That we would I'm glad to hear you're taking notes. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, I actually agree with the fact of, uh, like, you know, thinking about something that makes you happy can help you be more creative. But if it was going to be about being more performant, I was going to have an ick with that because there's a lot more proven ways to, like, be more performant than just being happy. But in terms of cre creativity, yeah, there's actually nothing that... Um, kind of like correlates or really like beats happiness or like creativity right um i mean if you're an artist then you can you can look at all the artists that have like major depression and then become creative but like that has to be another way than that right yeah. that's to be like the opposite side of the coin right but then that's also like an extreme point right usually when they come out with these like huge really depressing pieces and things like that is because they were like at an all-time low type of thing right it was something that was just really tragic and that's right, how that and it's just that a lot of like I'm sorry, a lot of like really good art pieces end up coming either at their lowest point or when they're actually happy. Yeah. Uh, there, there's not a lot that comes out when they're just like normal, yeah. you know. Where, that's why like writer's block exists because when you're not necessarily in a good place, you're not necessarily like in a really like bad place, you don't necessarily have any like interesting thoughts or anything really special going on at all, right? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's true. You bring up a good point, actually. It is true. Like, though happiness will make you more creative, it is false to assume that it's applicable in every every person. Like, it's true. M most of the, like, crazy art that was ever made, whether it's, like, painting or writing or whatever, came from incredibly depressed people. So it's a fair point. It's true. But we are not advocating for depression, okay? We're saying not having a happiness, time. positive psychology... This is what will further you in life, make you more successful as an individual, and here's why. Take it home, Holly. Make you more successful as an individual. You guys are, you guys are beat. <laughs> I don't even want to be here, man. <laughs> okay, well, you remember how I talk? I, I spoke about priming our brains. There's another thing that you could do actually to prime your brain, and I'm sure certain people like maybe you guys have done that before i know personally i do it all the time and i just didn't even realize it was a psychology thing i just did it because it made me feel better but um has this ever happened like let's say i'll give you an example okay like there's a person who's a sales i don't know actually i'll give you a personal anecdote i had to give a presentation for work and i was super stressed about it even though i was well prepared and everything i was still really stressed because you know I'm, I have to present to people who are kind of important. And you, we all get a little nervous, right? And my friend joked, oh, haha, how funny would it be if you fucked it up? And what ended up happening is because that person joked, like, how funny would it be if you screwed up this presentation? I ended up being even more nervous and making mistakes in my presentation because of that. Has that ever happened to That's you guys? That's called Where, a jinx. Like, that happens to us all the time in Valley, where we say, oh, we're going to win this. And then somebody somebody says that, and then we instantly start losing. No, we start losing because it's 9-3 on the scoreboard, okay, so Chris. Oh, yeah, my uh, fault is 9-3. Anyways, uh, now we're going to start priming. It's used a lot in sports. Uh, because you always want to try to imagine you doing, like, whatever you, your goal is, right? You want to try to, like... I don't remember if they call it imaging like a lot, but uh, the whole point is just you paint a picture of it and you're like, this is what I have to do, right? This is how I want it to go, right? And because you, you play it off in your head, it's like, if you know you're going to work the next day, you know, if you want to have like a good day at work or whatever, you can just imagine, okay, tomorrow I'm going into work. We're starting off with that. I'm going to do that, that, that. And then after that, you, you can't even build a plan. But at the same time, you imagine yourself doing it. Because you've already imagined yourself doing it, then it's not really like muscle memory, but your brain's already going to have been like, I've seen this, I know how it happens, now I can just do it, you know? 
So there's a lot less stress because you're nervous when you're uncertain about stuff, but the more you're like, you know, see yourself go through it, then the easier it gets. Yeah. I'm guessing that's the whole point of it, right? Yes, that's what the author was talking about. He calls it the undoing effect. It is a bit of imaging as well, though, Chris, what you were saying. Um, But essentially, in that little scenario where my friend told me, ha ha, how funny it would be you screwed up. Because he said that, I started picturing it and then I started tripping and I didn't do well in my presentation, right? Right, but then that's a negative version of it, right? Right. But if you actually imagine yourself like having a great speech and actually doing it really well. Then you pop off and you do really well, right? And you know what I've noticed actually is, like even today I had an interview. I was a little nervous for it. And what I do is on my phone, Phoebe knows this, I have ugly ass pictures of Kevin and Phoebe as my wallpaper. Yeah. And what I do is to prepare for a presentation or an interview or whatever that I'm stressed for, I'll just look at my phone and it'll make me like laugh or it'll make me happy. Or, you know, like sometimes you might watch a YouTube video that's funny because it helps clear your head a little with the nerves and the stress and stuff. That's what I would do personally. And I didn't even realize that it was like a psychology tactic where you're kind of like... It's not imaging in this case, but it's like I'm trying to chill out a little by looking at funny pictures at my sister or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it reminds me of uh, power posing. Or yeah, some power posing. Yeah. yeah. Right, right right, before you do, like, something or they start their day, you know, they just strike, like, good poses that make yeah. you feel, like, powerful. Like, just, just Superman pose or anything, right? And then yeah. that, that kind of primes you to be more confident and, like, be more, like, mm-hmm. you know. I've done that too, and you look dumb as hell. I did not like, even know that do, was but, real. What the hell? It's no, 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 real. It's power real. posing actually is like a tactic that, that helps. Yeah. It's psychology and all. Yeah. It's, it's exactly that. You prime yourself. Yeah, exactly. You Exactly. You prime yourself by posing, like taking up a lot of space and posing hugely so that you convince yourself that you're confident and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but yeah, that's priming. Yeah, exactly. But essentially, that's something that he talks about in the book about priming. I thought it was interesting that you could kind of like train yourself almost to chill a little and be a bit more ha ha he he live laugh love. I'm so happy, you know? Yeah. But um, this is something else, too. I guess it ties a bit with um, priming your brain. Have you guys ever heard of the self-fulfilling prophecy? No. Is it like a Pygmalion effect? It's like, um, it's like, you know how let's say your your mom or whatever will say like, oh, one day you'll become a famous singer like Ariana Grande, you know? Oh, yeah. And then, because you grew up with your mom telling you that you were going to become yes, a singer. You actually went to singing. Exactly. And you became a big singer like Ariana Grande. Yes. And, uh, the, it reminds me of the Pygmalion effect because the whole point of the Pygmalion effect is Teachers will end up scoring worse students that they think are dumber, even if there's no proof. And teachers will end up scoring uh, better like students that they think are smarter. You know, there's like, you know, nothing really like to prove that, right? Because they'll just be harsher on the grading, or they'll be more lenient on the grading, right? Especially when it comes to stuff like oral presentations, like that plays a big role on it. Um, yeah, and so so it's just like the the public image of someone or how how you think about someone can end up. Um, affecting a lot how you judge them generally right if everyone hates someone you're gonna judge them a lot harsher if everyone loves that guy you're gonna be more lenient towards so like his faults and all right yeah yeah you know what that's so funny you bring it up because the self-fulfilling prophecy that i was gonna talk about was literally <laughs> the big <laughs> what you just mentioned like nice. i'm not even joking Which in one? the Which book <laughs> he literally talks about it and the experiment that was conducted on those like the teacher and the two students right, you know? right so i was yeah. like okay you stole the words out of my mouth chris that's because my, my teacher when we graduated from sec five my teacher yeah. told us um about that and to be careful about that when we get to like college and all right because mm-hmm. uh like like it, it is it is a real effect this is a real is a real thing right? yeah I did not. And I can say I can say I experienced it, which is kind of like stupid to say, but because I was considered one of the smart kids like growing up, and then going into like high school and all, started high school like every teacher knew that I was like smart and all. But near the end of high school, I stopped really caring and I stopped giving it my all. But I kept on having really high grades, and a lot of that was because the, te- the teachers became super lenient with me, where I could like talk back to the teachers, and the teachers would, would literally like shut up, which is like weird. Right? But it's because I was considered like one of those smart kids. Like I was considered to be like the, the one in class that like 
you know, you don't just don't talk to him. Yeah. Like, he has good grades, you know, he, he doesn't need anything. So, like, in, in math class, I would just be reading on my phone and doing nothing, and a teacher wouldn't care. And I'm mm. sure that if I was, like, a dumb kid, she'd yell at me the whole time. Right. It's true, though. Like, that's that's funny that you brought that up. I literally, you stole the words out of my mouth. Like, now I'm like, okay, I guess I have to talk about something else. <laughs> oh, my, I'm so sorry for stealing the show. I am me, Phoebe Mark Hilton. No, you're the guest. Why did you read it. the book, bro? Like, don't read the book Yeah, why before, did you read man? it? It's so cringe, dude. <sighs> so cringe. Why did you try so hard, Chris? Yeah, yeah. I actually wrote the book. <laughs> <laughs> so sorry, what's your name again? Sean, what? Yeah, yeah, Sean something, yeah, yeah. Sean Aker. Sean Aker? Yeah, nice to meet you, yeah. Sean Aker. Big fan of your work. Actually, never heard of it before, but big fan. Didn't hear about positive psychology until today, but I'm a huge fan huge of your fan. work, Sean Aker. Absolutely love it. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. But um, essentially, like, what we just talked about is related to the self-fulfilling prophecy, but he does explain all of that. But what he kind of tries to, like, have people do is um, – Instead of, you know how there's that cringe thing, oh, you should pursue whatever makes you happy? You know, like how people say, like, you should chase happiness. Yeah. and Like the pursuit of happiness? Yeah, and the pursuit of happiness. What he says instead is you should try to make it your identity. Instead of pursuing happiness, try to be happy. And he uses techniques like, you know, priming your brain, self-fulfilling prophecy, things like that to ensure that you are overall happy or a positive person and then it could benefit you you know right so like one exercise he mentioned is like asking yourself oh what identity are you wearing today I know it sounds cringe but I've tried it myself and I feel like instead of let's say saying like self-doubting yourself or you know talking you know how sometimes you might talk shit about yourself like we've all been there every day of course all We've all been there, yeah. you know, like, we'll all say like, damn, I'm fat, I'm lame, I'm dumb, whatever. Instead of saying that to yourself, he kind of tries to say like, oh, you should think about, oh, I'm, I'm smart, I am beautiful, I am capable, I am, you know, like those cringe manifestations. Yeah, 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 but the thing yeah. is, like, if you actually go to the gym, it's actually, it, it works wonders for that, because you get a workout, you know, you do, you do something, you exert yourself, and then you go up to the changing room after you've done everything, and you're like, damn. I, I feel stronger. I feel bigger. You know, I'm actually ha- like, I actually hit goals. I actually hit stuff that I didn't hit before that I wanted to hit or whatever. And then you can actually like start to believe yourself the whole fake it. So you make it, you're like, you know, maybe I am fit, you know, maybe, maybe I am bigger now, you know, maybe I look good. Right. For that, that like little moment where you actually think you look good. Then it's like, if you just have that multiple times a week, then you'll just think you look better in general. And then you'll be exactly. more confident. Exactly. Exactly. And that's like low key, a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, you keep telling yourself, hey, I went to the gym today. I'm stronger. You'll eventually believe it. But to be fair, though, with the gym, you do actually see results. So it's not like you're capping, you know. All right. But that's why I think it's it's a better thing than just going in the mirror every day and being like, I'll become the best singer on this earth. You know, I am Lady Gaga. Yeah, exactly. Like you can't just tell yourself, oh, I'm I'm Lady Gaga, but then not put any concrete work into trying to become Lady Gaga by, let's say, taking singing last- but lessons. Does that know? even count as like, quote unquote, priming? I thought priming just meant saying like things, positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement, not necessarily like I am going to be the best singer or things like that. I thought it would just be something along the lines of I'm a good singer or, you know, I'm a great singer, you know, not. I'm going to surpass type of thing. Okay, I'm sorry. I am sorry, Piper, for overstepping my bounds and saying something like, I will become no, the greatest no, 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 that no. has ever been. The question okay? is, like, I was just wondering if that, con- like, saying things like that is also considered a form, I guess, of priming, right? Or if it's... It's more, okay, priming is, like, the first step. You have to convince yourself that, oh, I am this. Okay. But you can't just tell yourself, I am this, and not put any work into it. You know? Yeah. That's step two. You can't just be like, I am Lady Gaga every day, and then not take singing lessons. You can't, you can't tell yourself, I'm going to give this godlike presentation, and I will be the best public speaker that they have ever seen, seen and then not show up and yeah. not do the presentation. Exactly. Yeah. Priming but is what? the first step. <laughs> to, you know? to answer Piper's question, you know, it's more of a, like, that was, like, more like goal setting, let's say, right? Where if priming is imagining yourself, like, you know, in this position of power or something, then, you know, saying that you'll be better than 
or the best or whatever. That's more like a goal setting, right? Mm-hmm. So that's how I would see it. Mm-hmm. All right. It's true. Hmm. Let's talk about something else. Um, Wait, before that, I want to talk about the fact that I'm happy that we said that happiness is like a, like an, an identity that you're wearing. Because to me, happiness is not like something you achieve. It's more like a state where it's like, uh, and a, a lot of people don't really like, I feel agree with that or they don't realize that. And I don't like that. Right. So I went to a lot of people and asked them, what is happiness to you? What, what, what is it that makes you happy? Right. Um, so maybe we can talk about that later or whatever, because this might be like a little soon or something. And we can talk uh, about it now. Go for it. Go for it. All right. Well, the thing is, I went to ask some of my coworkers, right? What what is it that makes them happy in life? And some of them came up to me with like really simple, basic answers, like you know, I love sweets. You know, I like sugar. Sugar makes me happy. You know. But then there was this one person, okay, Kimberly, that told me that she she couldn't be happy if she wasn't accomplishing something, where she could only be happy if she was accomplishing something, and mm-hmm. that made me so sad. It is pretty sad. It's actually in- very sad. Yeah, because you're putting such like a big condition on your happiness, right? And I'm like, yeah. but but why can't you just be happy? You know, why can't not you just wake up one day and, and be happy? You know, not just this, like the book talks about it as well. Like people will tell themselves, I'll be happy if I'm rich. I'll be happy if I have a million followers on Instagram. I'll be happy. Always a goal. If I achieve this, I'll be happy. But they don't realize when you do achieve it, you're not happy. That it's not an external factor that makes you happy. You might be happy. Nothing actually changed in your life. Exactly. It sounds weird to say, right? But accomplishing a big goal, nothing really changes. There's there's a YouTuber that made a video recently about like the dark side of YouTube and how like being a big YouTuber actually isn't that easy and all. And he gets on talking about how everyone was gonna congratulate him, like you're hitting a million soon, you're hitting a million soon, you're hitting a million soon. Oh my god, congratulations before the end of the year. To him, it only turned into stress. And he was like, if I don't hit a million before the end of the year, I'll have like disappointed them. And then finally, he hit a million, like around Christmas at his parents' place. He looked at a number go up, and then he looked around him and he said, "Nothing changed, you know. Like what I'm doing right now didn't change. My house didn't change. I'm gonna make the same content that I was making. Like hitting that goal didn't actually make him any happier. On the moment, yes, for like a fraction of a second, he felt that glee. But after that, it when it when it goes away, there's there's nothing there. So." If you set happiness as a goal, then it's always going to be like that. Humans are hungry creatures, right? So if you if you set yourself a goal, you're like, I'll be happy then. You'll reach it. And then instinctively, you'll be like, what's the next goal? Exactly. And that's not a way. That's not happiness, by the way. Like, that's just depending on a little spike of dopamine after achieving a goal. And then you go off and you find the other spike of dopamine. It doesn't change anything in your life. You're not overall happy. Yeah, but what is ha- what is happiness to you, Holly? Uh, honestly, I think happiness for me is getting to spend, like, meaning, actually. Like, finding meaning in my life makes me happy. Uh, and meaning to me tends to be, like, is my family and friends around? Do I have a purpose in my life? Those are, I guess, the two things that kind of define meaning and make me happy you know all right what about you piper what what is happiness to you me i guess spending time with people around me that's a big factor of happiness for me right i'm a very uh, people reliant person i guess like i'd much rather i guess spend time doing nothing with somebody than like just spend my days constantly alone doing nothing i guess i don't know i i think i just value the people around me a lot and that's what makes me happy to be with them through thick and thin what about you chris what makes you happy (laughs) what makes me happy um to to me happiness is kind of like i wanted to ask about what happiness is in the book Okay, because, like, what is the book's definition of happiness, right? He literally says that it changes depending on a person. There's no concrete definition to happiness. It changes. That's good. I'm, I actually really like that. I actually really like that. Everyone has different things that make them, like, happy, right? But to me, happiness is just really, like, 
being able to enjoy and find pleasure in like the small things in life, right? You know, it's being able to like enjoy the scenery, you know, being able to enjoy like the weather outside, being able to enjoy like spending time with your friends, spending time with your family, right? It's it's having that not really like out of body experience, but just being able to like sit back and think to yourself like, you know, I like this place. I'm in a good place right now. And like, I don't necessarily have to like think about the future or the past or anything. I'm just like looking at where I am right now and being like, I like this, you know, this is enjoyable. To me, that's what being happy is. Because happiness isn't like in the future and happiness isn't in the past. It should be like where you are right now. So happiness to you is comfort, right? Um, in a way comfort, but it doesn't mean that being comfortable will make me happy, right? Mm -hmm. If I have like a lot of anxieties or stress or whatever, right? Um, then I'm like, even if I'm comfortable right now, uh, like I already know that shit's going to come. So like, what's the point, right? Right. But then if you get anxiety and stress, you're no longer comfortable, right? So they don't correlate to each other. But you see, this is the thing. Like, why do you assume anxiety and stress isn't a bad thing? Right, because the thing is, in moderation, it is needed. It's kind of like how mental breakdowns is your body's way of telling you, hey, something's wrong, change it. But then everyone's like, oh my god, I have this headache, I have a mental breakdown, you know, I'm losing it. But then it's kind of just your body's way of saying, you're really in a bad place that you do not like, do something about it. And if you ignore it, then it'll just happen again, right? So those are the moments where you're supposed to tell yourself, hey, wake up, look around you, and try to figure something out. Same thing with stress, same thing with anxiety. It's just the fact that... um, if I remember right, there was a saying about like how, um, what is it? Your only like, anxiety comes from thinking too much about the future, and uh, and it's something like uh, another one was like for the past, right? But then as long as you're thinking about like the present and what you're gonna do like in the very close like time span, then there's no stress to be had, right? Like you're rarely gonna be stressed about something that's happening right now. You're only going to be stressed about the repercussions in the future. You're only going to be stressed about, like, something that is to come, right? Right. And I agree with that, what you just said. But I think that um, you need to change your mindset, though, to be able to view it that way. You know? Like, if – because in the book, he talks about this. Like, there is – you could have a positive or a negative mindset or a growth and a fixed mindset, you know? And when we're talking about anxiety – I said anxiety is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, our discomfort is not necessarily a bad thing. In excess, it is. But a little anxiety, let's say before you go to a party alone, is not like necessarily something bad, you know? And what he talks about is people with a fixed mindset where they're, they stay in comfort and they never branch out and try to do something different because they're scared or they're stressed or they have anxiety – will miss out on opportunities in life. Whereas people with a growth mindset who will push through that anxiety of going to a party alone or making a speech, public speech in front of people they don't know or, you know, getting out of your comfort zone, you can capitalize on opportunities that you would not have done if you, like, let's say, stopped yourself from doing something that gives you anxiety, you know? Yeah, that's good. I'm happy you brought that up because a lot of books are about stepping out of your comfort zone because how are you going to accomplish anything if you don't step out and do something yeah. that you're not going to be comfortable with, right? Yeah. Because you can't live your whole life being comfortable and something about like why to me happiness isn't necessarily comfort is because you need to be able to find like this, this, this good things and the small things that you can still enjoy even in like more dire situations, right? Where, you know, it's the whole thought about like, you know, if you think you got lucky, even though you're the only person that got shot because you survived, right? Is you're able to find like pleasure in the fact that you're still alive, you know. Like, you, did, you get you did get like in this insane situation, in this crazy story, but there's still a way to find happiness in that by just enjoying the fact of, hey, I was in a really insane story. I get to tell it to other people, you know, and like I'm still alive, you know. Yes, I'm the only person that got a shot, but that just means I got a better story. Exactly. Out of it. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So then, like, it's it's a way of like enjoying things or finding, like fi- finding. The better things and you know in those things i guess mm-hmm. and i think this comes like brings to another i guess like discussion is you know failure i feel like people when they fail whether it's like in life or profession or whatever they tend to just give up you know it, even if there's a little bit of friction you know anxiety is telling you to not go to a party alone 
or anxiety is telling you not to give out a public speech because you're give up what give up holly give up holly just give up no but uh you know i thought i, I just thought of this story oh my bad i just thought of this where i'm like imagine your house catches on fire and you have a dog right and then the guy runs in the house grabs the dog runs out of the house the whole house like burns and crumbles and all right even though he lost everything i'm sure that guy's super happy i'm sure that guy is happy because he got to save his best friend he got to save his dog he's so happy his dog's alive right even though his house is burning he might have he might have lost like a crazy amount of possessions you know he lost like the house he spent so much time into and like just so many memories and you know and i mean people would think that he's sad but i can believe i can believe like a world or a story where like that guy is actually genuinely happy that he got to save that life and that's right. because he has a more positive mindset though you know and that's well, the, the whole point is because he got to find like the lights in yes, like, the trouble right exactly. he got to enjoy the small thing like even though he was like in all this bullshit um well he he got to find the small thing you know the the good thing was he got to save his dog you know and his dog's life is like i, I know people that would die for a dog like roberto yeah roberto would you know, <laughs> roberto, got, roberto literally got hit by a car ended up almost breaking his back and then he called us and he was happy because he got to save his dog yeah right he took the bullet for his dog because his dog ran into the street and Roberto followed like an idiot <laughs> yeah so it's like he didn't necessarily Instead accomplish of pulling anything. On the leash, by the way. <laughs> He didn't accomplish anything, and he definitely didn't gain anything, right? But then he was happy in that moment, even though he was yeah. clearly, like, suffering a loss, mm -hmm. right? And that's why I believe that happiness is a state, because you don't need to, to gain it. You don't need to, like, achieve happiness. It's just he was happy in that moment, you know? Yeah, and that's actually, it for those who care, uh, I asked, and I'll share with you, that's called having adversarial, adversarial mm -hmm, growth. That's what psychologists call it. And basically what it means is if you can reinterpret or interpret a tragic like situation that happened in your life into a positive or an optimistic mindset, you know? So that whole thing with Roberto sacrificing himself for his dog, you know, like he has adversarial growth. Like he has that type of mindset. And, you know, this is something too that I remember reading and it basically is like, Things happen to you and it's your job to kind of make the best out of the situation ultimately, you know, like if you keep telling yourself, oh, uh, this happened because of X person or, oh, this, this never would have happened if like I never would have gotten hit by a car if the car just stopped, you know, things like that. If you focus it on an external locus of control rather than your, yourself then you're ultimately going to be a pretty unhappy person because you're going to blame everything that happens on your life to other external factors instead of taking responsibility and trying to make a change in your life and a mind like a change in your mindset. You know, that's something that he talks about in the book as well. So I don't know. I read that and I was like, hey, I better change my mindset a little because I used I think I was pessimistic a bit before. And now that I read it, I feel like I'm more self-aware and I try to. Oh, so you were just like your friends, eh? I was. Oh, I yeah, it. I was. I Fake ass friends. No, I'm joking. I love my friends. <laughs> you were part of the problem. I was part Maybe of the you problem. made them more pessimistic. No. You're right. I love my friends. You know, like, I'm just I'm just joking. Or am I? No, I, I agree with that. Yeah, so that's a good point to make. You know, if you always blame external things, at the end of the day, like, uh, if you think more about, uh, oh, what is it? What is it? stoicism right if you if you think more about it in a stoic way then you just think about external factors you shouldn't even think about them because there's nothing you could have done yourself right you should only think about what can you change what can you do and then if something unfortunate happened then it's just unfortunate when it happens right and if you if you didn't do anything right if there's no point in thinking in the past of like i could have done this better i could have done that you know now now tell yourself that once to be like next time it happens i can do this instead that's fine but the more you you stay on that thought just the more negative it becomes and there's no point in really like overthinking it right and that's also uh when i was playing valorant i actually started climbing more when i started blaming myself myself or just looking at what i could do different because that's actually the only way you can really climb or get better and stuff it's just at looking at yourself right and that is also why i never play valorant with jason because i will always play with jason no matter what do i edit that out that's that true. last part about jason or do i keep it in 
It doesn't matter. Okay. Really. Yeah, Chris Jason Chris and knows. Jason are very vocal about it. Jason it? knows. Okay. Ricky knows yeah. too. Okay. Okay. It, it's nothing personal, no bad. What were you gonna say, Phoebe? I forgot. Nice. Oh, what was I gonna say? Oh. Oh, nothing. True. I'm Phoebe. Piper, yeah. what were you gonna say again? I, I forgot. We went on that little side note right there of the edits, and I forgot. Okay, then there's one last thing that I'm going to bring up that was mentioned in the book that I like totally agree with. And I don't know if it's controversial, but something called the path of least resistance. Have you guys ever heard of that? No. I mean, it's like just taking the easy way. Yes, exactly. It's literally like instead of going into something that will make you uncomfortable, let's say going to the gym, you tell yourself, I'm going to go to the gym every day for like until whatever. Does it ever happen where you'll start the day and say like, oh, this is my to-do list. I'm going to do this, 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 this. I'm going to go to the gym every day. And then when the time actually happens, what do you do? You go on Netflix, you watch TV, you know, because it's easier. Because Netflix is so much easier to do yes. than going to the gym. You know, I have to bike six kilometers to go to the gym. You know what I could do instead of biking those six kilometers? I could play League. I could play Valorant. I could sleep, you know. I could, I could just stay in bed. And watch TikToks like Phoebe does all day. That's what I do all day. Yeah, that's you. You're yeah, that's Phoebe, what I right? Do all day. So this Phoebe person here will have the audacity, the gall to tell me, I am going to wake up tomorrow, okay? And I am gonna get ready, go to the gym, come back, you know, and then like do whatever, right? So I'm like, okay, you do that. Sleep well, King. You deserve the rest. You have a long day tomorrow. And then Phoebe will wake up. And then he will be like, huh, I seem to have woken up at 5 p.m. And I don't feel like going to the gym. Hence, I will not. Damn, so you're really not taking notes of this podcast. I just said, instead of focusing on external locus of control, you should take responsibility for your actions. So you just blame Chris. I have Phoebe. I'm not blaming Phoebe. That's 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 Phoebe. Phoebe's wants to go to the gym for herself i've never told phoebe to go to the gym uh-huh. i'm just telling phoebe you know phoebe have a nice day tomorrow you deserve to have a nice day tomorrow and then phoebe will come up to me and say i'm not going finally i didn't go finally anyways let's play and i won't say anything about it i'll just go like, i bet you want to play i'm down to play i got nothing better to do anyways let's play i won't stop you you don't want to go you don't have to go i'm gonna play with you <laughs> But I'm just saying, you told me you would go. So, you you know, you lied to yourself, not to me. At the end of the day, I got something you didn't, so. Dan, what do you have to say to that, Phoebe? All I have to say is that I'm currently very sick. Um, that's I, fine. Yeah, no, you're sick as hell now. I, I am very sick. I am not going, you know. Yeah, that's it. I think I'm going to take a week to just, like, rest, you know, stay in bed. Phoebe? Sweat in this summer heat. Oh, wait, no, Phoebe. Piper, you're such a fake-ass friend. Phoebe is sick, and you're calling him out like that. I just want to say, he's been sick this whole time, and I've been telling him, oh, he probably has COVID, or I know, I'm kind of a sick person, really. Or things like like that. I'm such a sick friend to have. Yeah. You're so sick, bro. (laughs) (laughs) You've been a sick person the whole time, eh? Yeah, you're the sickest, bro. I fucking love riding the waves with you, broski. (laughs) Nice. I thought Phoebe was your BFF forever for life, man. You clearly just threw him in the bus. You were wrong. I was wrong. Yeah, clearly. You were wrong. You know, you can only be BFFs forever if you can survive being thrown under the bus. For your dog. That's true. I guess we're BFFs. For your dog. Only for your dog or else I sleep. I refuse. I sleep. I sleep. Oh, no. Roberto, is that you? We cannot be calling him out. This will be the one podcast he listens to just for this. <laughs> it, friendship's ruined. It's like, a, it's like how can I how can I go one day of my life without talking about Roberto to someone? It's literally <laughs> impossible. Like the guy has too many too many insane stories for me to tell. You know, he's been there for for like ten years of my life at this point. It's not been ten years, but actually, it might it might have been. Yeah. You love him just that much that you need to talk about him to everyone around you. Even people you just meet. No, but it's such a flex. It's like, yo, I know this Roberto guy. You know what he did? He did these things. I'm flexing for him. 
I don't think I don't think you're flexing for TB. I think you're making a joke out of his eyes. TB, you remember that that meme you made of me with the book of Kevin jokes? The book. Of I think Kevin, Chris has yeah. that with uh, Roberto. Roberto, no, yeah. it's, it's just because it's not Roberto's jokes. It's Roberto's life story. Story. Yeah. No, but it's the same thing for Holly. Holly will do the same thing. It'll be jokes that Kevin said. It'll be things that Kevin did. It's uh, anything Kevin, because to Holly, Kevin is funny, yeah. right? right? So she needs to reuse right. whatever happened around Kevin because most of the time it ends up being funny. And that's why I'm a funny person, guys. Are you taking notes? This is why I'm funny. Okay. Okay. The, I love. I love that we established um, that. Chris. Chris would disagree with no, that. No, no, no. He's nodding. He's nodding. Yeah. Yeah, you're nodding. Yeah. <laughs> Are you listening to music? It looks like you're jamming to music right now. That's what you're doing, right? I've been nodding yeah, yeah. the whole podcast. <laughs> nodding. nodding. Says, yes. I disagree, but yeah. He agrees. He agrees. He agrees. <laughs> but you know what? We can end it here. But before we do that, Phoebe, what did we learn today on the podcast? Chris, I don't need to ask him because he pretty much read – he wrote the book. He's Sean Aker. He's yeah. Sean Aker. What did you learn, though? Wow. Well, what I learned today is that positive mindset isn't real and I should give up more often. <laughs> Both of your facial expressions. <laughs> One person shocked, the other person is disappointed. Yeah, it's, it's today. Uh, no, no I, 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 I learned that I should, you know, have a more positive outlook on life and, you know, at least take everything slightly more with a grain of salt right as in grain of salt not as a negative way but more of a this may have happened but here's the good part of it right this is what i got out of it at least and i'm content with that i'm happy with that and then i move on always try to take something and try to take the happy part out of it because at least you know you got something out of it at the end of the day right you're right something good that came out of it even if it's the shitty thing, like I got shot at a bank. You know, what can we what can we take out of this? You know, um, how about you wake up in the morning, you have like a good healthy schedule. You know, you always try to look at things the bright side. If something bad happens, try to look at the good in it. You know, try to power pose before you do something. Try a bit of imaging. Try a bit of, uh, you know, priming yourself up. You know, before you do something big, before you do anything, you know, just try to imagine yourself doing it. Try to put yourself in a good mood before you do it. You know. You'll do it better. You know, you'll be more creative. You'll you'll appear happier. And when you are happy, other people, if people think you're happy, it's going to make them happier. And it's going to make them think better of you. And then there's the whole Pygmalion effect. So because they think better of you, they're going to grade you better. They're going to hire you. You know, they're going to, you know, they're going to be more popular, etc. Everything you want. So if you want to actually be successful, don't be afraid of failure. Learn from your mistakes. You know, just try to find the good in everything. And eventually you'll be able to build up a strong, solid foundation and have a good life. You guys are all taking notes, by the way, the listeners? Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I thought. Think that was like the best way I could recap every point or everything. I might have missed some. That was good. That was good. But yeah. That was good indeed. Thanks for listening, guys. And we hope you all took notes because when Chris popped off, that was crazy. Girls, guys, gays, and theys, thanks for listening. We hope you have a wonderful, bright, sunny day. Filled with love and joy. Live off love.